All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Serious Angler Podcast, powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. As always, I'm joined here with the captain, Mr. Andy Full. And as always, I'm the host, Bailey Egbert. What's going on, dude? Busy couple days. Spent, I think, is the best words I could use to describe the feeling that I feel right now. <laughs> so what you're saying is we might have to uh, struggle keeping you awake for this one. Maybe my my hands hurt, my fingers are swollen, my face is sunburned. Been catching a ton of smallmouth bass, and we had Mister X two on the boat the, this morning and yesterday, and saw some giant smallmouth get caught, and it's it's shaping up to be a really really fun spring over here in buffalo on lake erie and you got to catch your pb yesterday on my boat which made me extremely happy we've only been trying to do that for like three years now and it finally happened <laughs> and it was a grown one it was full grown it, <laughs> it was a it was a fun day yesterday with sean uh mr x2 as you as you mentioned uh but uh buddy you have a special special job being on that lake everything day because it's a special place it it sure is uh but dude it was pretty funny so we 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 caught the crap out of them yesterday but we get in the boat we'll go through the story quick because we have a great episode today with mr adam rasmussen who's midwest hammer i've heard uh many 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 good things about Mr. Adam Rasmussen, not as not just as a guy, but also as an angler. Just real quick, it seems like the Northern boys are taking over bass fishing, and it's awesome. Yes. I'm here for it. I'm well, all here for it, especially specifically Midwest. The stigma for a long time was that the Northerners can't keep up with the Southern guys, and they sure are proving it wrong. Yeah, so it's fun to watch. Yeah, uh, I've gone on conversation i talk with old keith tuma all the time on the phone and uh bartuzik has been telling us to get adam on the show I, I think a while ago we were trying to get a show set up but keith was like dude now you really have to get him on the show you just want an open like you gotta do it so we're like uh yeah well, let's get him on the show here talk about his win on wheeler so congrats again to him we'll talk about it here in a second but uh dude that we were we were joking because uh, we first got on Lake Erie, and you and Sean are throwing you know, swim baits, drop shot, your your typical stuff that works really well out there. And I'm sitting there horsing around with like random weird techniques just to try to find something different because it's a fun fishing day. We're experimenting, and I'm like, ah, screw this! After like an hour and a half of not catching anything, trying to throw <laughs> something funky for like a big bite or two. No, don't give up the juice on what you did because we're keeping that a secret for a little bit. But... I wasn't gonna, but now you know if people they're telling people that there was juice. <laughs> there was juice, and we're discovering more and more juice on the daily. But this one, and I'll tell you this, Bailey, the juice did not work today at all. Well, then so, <laughs> yeah, but it was juice yesterday, so there will be a time and place for it. The lake's just getting too clear for it now. Mm. Like well, we had 25, 26 foot of visibility today. It was wild clarity. Mm. Yeah. Damn. Um, but yeah, literally it just decided, ah, screw this. What am I doing? I'm just going to pick up a drop shot. Threw on like a, did a little bait modification that Andy and Sean didn't have going. I think it was what my second cast of the drop shot. I just feel a bite super subtle. And I lean in. I'm like, ah, it's like a pound and a half or dude. It's super, super small. <laughs> And then next thing you know, it's just, it's just screaming. I'm like, okay, maybe it's not that small. And then I'm just like, we can't see it. We're like, I'm like, maybe it's a five. I don't know. It doesn't feel that giant. And I thought I'm mega live. And I looked at you and I was like, dude, 
you got to dig it. And you're like, no, it's a pounder. <laughs> and it, I'm as the thing gets closer, like, ah, this is feels pretty big. And then uh, it literally just takes a, not a nosedive, but like just points its head to the sky and just starts coming to the surface. Thankfully, Andy had the net because I was telling him, like, dude, I got this thing. It's fine. Like, it's not a big deal. It's not a giant. And as soon as we see it, we're like, oh my God. We're screaming and Andy nets it. And we get it. Andy and I just look at each other, just like, what? Just yeah, it happened. was magical. It was like, I think that was our fourth or fifth over five pounds in the first two hours. Well, and, you and Sean. Yeah, me and Sean. <laughs> and like me and Sean had a double up. I think mine was like five and three quarters and his was five and a half on like 10 minutes into the day. It was just a silly day. But your fish literally put the icing on the cake, I don't think. Yeah, you're like, oh my God, dude, it's definitely a six, but I don't know if it's like there. Like, don't yeah. we had that week. You muttered on the idea that potentially a PB. I'm like, I don't know, man. It might be close, but I don't think it is. And you put it on the scale, and I, you're like, oh my God, it's hitting seven one. And I, like, I <laughs> deck, and you were like, had tears in your eyes. Yeah. Oh, it's 614, which was like, still awesome. Yeah, we reweighed it like seven times, and it was like six fourteen every time. It's yeah. but it was yeah. awesome at the same time. Yeah, super Keep super cool day. We'll talk more about it at the end of the show, but yeah. uh, more importantly, we got an awesome guest for today, Mr. Adam Rasmussen. What's going on, dude? What's up, guys? Congrats! Hey, thank you. It's uh, we are loving the the northern trend that is going on. Not only just the opens, but just every trail. Just watching these northern boys go down and hammer them. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we're trying. <laughs> Doing more well, than trying, bud. <laughs> you guys are kicking it. <laughs> You're having a great start to the year, man, especially just from, from staying consistent. Um, you and Tuma, there's a few other guys that are just seeming to have a, a great start to the open season that are from Midwest. Yeah, I know. Uh, I didn't start fishing down south until – was it 2021? I did two divisions in the opens. And I had an okay okay year that year, but then last year, like I just think it was too much of a mind game and felt like I didn't have the confidence. And this year I'm like, I don't want to know anything about any lake. I'm just gonna go show up and fish and uh and do like you're supposed to do it. Like feel like you're doing the right thing and and that's what I started doing this year. And outside of you fall up, um, hasn't been a bad year. So we got a few more to go. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully we uh, keep the train rolling. Yeah, a fellow Midwesterner, Mr. Keith Tuma, frequents our show quite a, quite a bit. And uh, that's one thing we talked about recently with him is uh, putting respect to the guys that are doing it the right way, like in the – and when I say right, I don't mean that it's like there's people doing it illegally, but guys that are doing it pure, like yourself, that are going in there, no info, no nothing, just doing it with pure instincts. And there's a lot of respect to doing it that way. For sure, yeah. That's how I'd like it to be anyway. I mean, <clears throat> I might get a little bit of info, but like I definitely don't rely on any of it. Like, How am I supposed to fish somebody else's memories? you know, that doesn't work. Like I can't mm-hmm. fish my own memories half the time. You know, <laughs> you're better off just, if you're good at it, you can trust your gut and that'll lead you to the right decisions. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is exactly what happened on Wheeler. Like I had a terrible practice. 
but I spent a lot of time looking, you know, I've stared at my hummingbirds a lot and grabbed a lot of stuff and found areas where I thought they might show up because they weren't there during practice. Right. And, uh, it all came together and, and it worked out. So, yeah, we're, we're going to get to Wheeler. We're going to get to Wheeler here in a second, but because you are new to the show, this is your first time on Serious Angler. What we like to do is throw it all the way back to the beginning and just how how did you even get to start in fishing and who is to blame for this lifelong obsession? Oh, I blame my dad. Um, man, I think I was, from what I've been told, obviously, I don't remember. I was three years old and I was in a boat and loved it. And all I wanted to do was fish. Sorry, my screensaver keeps popping on here. Um, so I'd blame him and, uh, growing up, like my mom would always be like, are you ever going to do anything besides fish? Like all you do is think about fishing. That's all you talk about. That's all you do. That's all you know. And I'm like, no, like absolutely not. That's what I want to do for a career. And I bought my first boat. I was 15 and I bought a 17 foot Lund Pro V tiller. And that was my first boat. Didn't have a driver's license. My parents would drop me off at the ramp. I'd go fish. And then gradually moved up from there. You know, when I was 18, out of high school, I started guiding. You know, did that part-time. Went to college a little bit. College wasn't for me. I'd rather work and make money. So I took on the guiding full-time. You know, that was in central Wisconsin. Fast forward a bunch, you know, I fished a lot of walleye tournaments. I didn't bass fish when I was younger. I walleye fished. Um, my dad got me into walleye tournaments, and that's what I did. So I moved to Door County probably, oh, man, it's probably been six years, seven years. I got my captain's license and completely started over up here. Got into the bass fishing. Um, I always found myself bass fishing on my free time for fun and enjoyed it. I'm like, why am I fishing walleye tournaments and doing this stuff? Like, I have way more fun bass fishing. So started learning more and more. Uh, fish, you know, numerous tournaments throughout the Midwest. And then uh, I'm not getting any younger, so I'm like, screw it. I got the opportunity to go fish some opens. I've always dreamed about going to the classic. You know, I've watched the Bassmaster Classic every year since I was a young kid. And I'm like, man, that would oh, be yeah. so cool to walk across that stage. Uh, and obviously the Elite Series, those are my two goals. And I'm not getting any younger. I want to go and do it. So I just took a chance and put in a lot of work and time. And it's hard, but I still work, you know, full-time guiding. I I haven't given up on that. So I'm doing that. I just got done with the guide trip. Like I haven't had a break in three weeks. I went from Bugs Island back home to fish a tournament in Sturgeon Bay down to Eufaula, came home from that. I had one day off and my phone rang off the hook all day. Today I started guiding again. Got a guide tomorrow. Um, so yeah. <laughs> So, you're living the life buddy yeah yeah it's a dream right <laughs> but i wouldn't have it any other way i love it so hey it's going well for you because uh the folks may not be able to see it quite well behind you but 
dude, you have literally the coolest man cave I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, this is not mine. This is my father-in-law's, but I kind of inhabited this portion <laughs> over here. I just thought, can you go up real fast with the computer? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> this uh, this man cave came from building commercial Burger Kings, so. Okay, that explains it. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna ask what the story was behind that roadside. Yeah, he just loves I, uh, whoppers, right? Like, who doesn't like a good uh, whopper? My wife owns a uh, commercial contracting company, so there's a lot of cool stuff uh, on the other side. We've got a bar, and there's an industrial kitchen back here, and it's a pretty cool place to hang out. Bailey, you've been here; it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah dude it's freaking sweet <laughs> i'm lucky enough to park all my crap in here and make a disaster so it's kind of a mess right now yeah well dude uh that's freaking awesome uh especially making the jump because it seems like it's going well for you um and we're, we're gonna get into to wheeler but we talked about it briefly uh in the introduction of the midwest guys you're seeing more and more of you more northerners that are you know, in the top ranks when it comes to uh, select tournaments, but also just consistency as well in the South, uh, yeah. whether it's the Opens or it's Toyotas or what have you, you're seeing a lot more of it. Um, and what do you what do you think from your experience so far fishing in the South has allowed you to adjust well to what you experienced from the North compared to when you had South? Uh Man, I don't know. Like, I would say a big thing that benefits me, and this is, like, from when I fish walleyes competitively a little bit, like, forage. Like, walleyes are the dumbest fish on the face of the planet. Like, they're not hard to catch. It's finding them that's the hard part, and it always revolves around food. And I've kind of put that towards the bass fishing thing, too. Like, it's the same deal. You find the shad, usually you're going to find the bass. So I think that's like definitely been a, a help for me. Like I've, the background knowledge that I have on, you know, staying on top of where the forage is helps me in the world of bass fishing as well. So when you set out for practice and say wheeler, you're not really going specifically looking for bass. You're looking for bait first. Usually, yeah, like I don't slow down until I see bait in the area. If I know there's bait there, odds are there's bass around. I mean, we're fishing against a fish that is a grant that big. Like, they swim, <laughs> yeah. that's all they do. And I think, you know, as anglers, we make it way more complicated than it needs to be sometimes. And I'm guilty of it. Like, I mean, we're buying, now we're buying $350 glide baits and stuff like that. Like, it's a fish. <laughs> It's, you know, it's still a fish. They're not that smart. Um, not saying that that stuff doesn't work, but I think sometimes as anglers, we make it way more complicated than it needs to be. All they need to survive is food and structure. Mm -hmm. You know, that's basically it. So I'd start with that. You know, I always try to, when I'm running around a new lake, I try to pay attention to where I'm seeing all the forage. And then I start my practice from there. It's a good starting point. Makes sense. Are, do you, would you say you're more of a shallow guy, offshore guy, or do you not really have a preference? Um, I don't really have a preference, but I'd say I'm probably a little better offshore. You know, I don't like 
And that probably comes from living here in Sturgeon Bay. Like we don't beat the bank here. Everything is off the bank. I just rather, I'd rather go out with my electronics and find them and figure it out that way. I think you have less people that are going to find that deal than if you're on the bank, you drive down the lake and you're fishing the most obvious looking stuff. But right. I think I can beat the bank with the best of them too at times. I mean, if I need to, but that's my problem. I always get drawn offshore and I'd rather go fish offshore. You sound like I'm somebody Michael. else I know right here next to you. <laughs> <laughs> the same way, buddy. Where it's yeah. like, oh, if they're on the bank, I'll go fish the bank. But like, if they're off, if they're off the bank, I'd rather be away from the bank as much as possible. Yeah, that's kind of how I've like looked at my practice this year too. Like, I go, I spend more time offshore than on the bank because I think if you have to go to the bank and fish. You don't need to practice that a lot. That doesn't take a lot of time. I mean, maybe spend a half a day, get an idea of what they're holding on, what they want to bite on. And from there, you can run down the lake and see it. But the offshore stuff, like you need to put in your time and grab and not fish and trust what you're looking for. You know, and that's what happened at Toledo Bend. Unfortunately, day two, I just... I didn't know a lot about the lake, so I went back to where I caught four giants the first day. And I lost one, and that was really all that came together there. But, uh, right. Yeah. I spend my time offshore looking. I know Brian Thrift was one of the guys that was saying that, especially in practice, he goes, because I'm not going to waste any time going and trying to find them shallow because. If I spend all my time graphing and looking offshore, then I'm doing two things at the same time. I'm riding around seeing the bank and seeing high yeah. percentage stuff, but I'm also graphing and finding stuff that's offshore. He goes, you can go up on the bank and catch them. He goes, it's way easier to catch them off the bank than it is to take the time to go graph and find them offshore. And that was like yeah. something that stuck with me for a long time. 100% true. Yeah, like you're dry, you're idling around. It doesn't take anything to look up on the shoreline. And <laughs> that looks kind of cool over there. And you drop a waypoint. You have it, you know. Yep. It takes way more time to find those fish offshore. And you can eliminate it. Like if you fish offshore the whole practice and it's not happening, then you know what you have to do during the tournament. Yeah, and it takes you, what, 30 seconds to – pull that like go over check out that shallow spot like in a tournament say then you're running by it put trolling motor down you're like ah it looks good from, from a half a mile away but this looks right. like crap on the bank trolling yep. motor back up peace yeah it doesn't take much time on your day that's pretty good so dude uh getting into lake wheeler like i know you mentioned it was it was kind of a, a grinder but kind of walk us through you know, what your intentions were in practice strategy wise, what you were looking for and then heading into day one. So, uh, yeah, so I missed, I basically missed two days of practice. I came home to fish a smallmouth tournament because I would have been royally pissed at myself if I missed every smallmouth tournament in Sturgeon Bay in May. <laughs> and, uh, my dad actually, my dad had nothing going on. He's like, you want me to drive you down there? Then you sleep all night. So I got down there, had a good night's sleep, started practice, um, started looking offshore. It's the Tennessee River. Like, as far as I'm concerned, like every part of the Tennessee River is famous for ledge fishing and fishing offshore. So 
I graphed a little, fished a little, really didn't have any success. And uh, it just seemed like they weren't there yet. But at any day, they could be. It was, I mean, it was, the water was like, I found up to 88 degree water during practice. That's cooking. You know, that's just surface temp, but like it was warm and summer's here. And uh, so I just kept graphing and marking like little sweet spots that I thought they would hold on. And then obviously it's this time of year where you have a shad spawn going on as well. Kept an eye open for shallow stuff that would hold a shad spawn. And uh, I fished the bank a little bit during practice. That wasn't half. Like I really had nothing. I just, uh, I scrapped it all together on day one and I had some grass. Uh, I actually thought, initially thought I'd be fishing the grass during the tournament. And day one, I started on a shad spawn. I caught a three and a half pounder. It's the biggest fish I saw all week. I'm like, sweet, awesome. I got a kicker. You know, let's go finish out the limit and see where we're at there. And I ran up river and I fished a bunch of grass and I caught a bunch of, you know, like one, two to one eighths and finished off my limit. And I'm like, well, this is like, this is no good. This ain't going to cut it. And it was, it was early. It was like 10 o'clock. I'm like, all right, I'm going to run down river and I got some ledges I want to look at. And I pulled up on the first one and threw a swinging rugby head up there and cracked a six, three on my first cast. And I'm like, okay, now I'm on the right deal. Like I got to keep doing this. And actually I stayed on that spot. I take that back. I left it for a little bit. I couldn't get any more bites. I left it for half hour i came back i caught another one i left it i came back um i caught a few more on the swing and rugby jig and then i picked up a drop shot and made four casts i caught four i had 19 pounds i'm like all right i gotta leave this alone because i don't know if i have anything else and i had a fish that wasn't doing real well and i looked at my co-angler i'm like dude sorry like it's an hour before weigh but like we need to get some ice on these fish, keep them alive because I do know what a half a pound can cost you in one of these tournaments. So we ran in, got ice, uh, iced them down, put some rejuvenate on them, got them back. They're all happy. So we ran back out and tried to get his last fish you know, close to the ramp. And then that was it. So at 19 pounds off basically one spot on day one. Day two came around. I started on a shad spawn deal that I found during practice. Nothing. Uh, then I ran to the ledges. I caught a three and a half. I fished for another hour and 20 minutes. Not another bite. They weren't really pulling water. It was windy. The water was getting dirty. I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, <laughs> a tough fast tournament and they're not pulling water? Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> I ran all the way down to the bottom end of the lake and I had some grass down there. I'm like, well, at least I know this is going to be clean. It took a little bit to get there. I mean, it was, it was rocking pretty good on day two. I caught a one four. That was the only bite I had in two hours. And I'm like, well, this is, this is no good. Like I got two bass in the box. Started running back up river. I'm like, I'm going to stop on these two ledges. 
then I'll get bit there. I'm going to go back up above the bridge and I'm going to fish some grass that I found during practice. And I caught some on day one there and just finish off my limit, hopefully get a check. I stopped on my best spot. I made eight casts. I caught eight in a row. And my ninth cast, I looked over the side of the boat and the water wasn't moving anymore and it was over. So then I had, I think I weighed like 14 and a half. Uh, it all went down in a short period of time on day two again. That's wild. And yeah, it was crazy. Like if I'd have been there a couple hours earlier, it could have been really good. I think when I was down the lake, they're pulling water and I, I just oh. didn't catch it soon enough. Well, you said it was rocking. Do you think any of that could have been wind-driven influence from the current standpoint? Yeah, it could have been. You know, the wind had kind of laid down at that time. Hmm. But uh, in the morning, I mean, it was rocking, and it, they were not there. They were not biting. Um, so for whatever reason, I had a little bit of current when I got back there, and I had yeah. an hour I caught, caught what I caught. Hmm. Uh, really fast, really fast before you get into yeah. the last day. We have a comment here from uh, Anthony Geis, and he's asking, "How are you fishing the the rugby head? Is it a slow reel, real hop?" He said he can't find the right cadence. Uh, I just reel it really slow. Just let it bang off the hard bottom, rocks, gravel, whatever you're fishing it on. You, know, you can pause it once in a while, but I never move my rod tip. It's all with the reel, just mm-hmm. a slow reel, and just get that thing crawling around down there. Sweet. What's uh what's the setup for it that you're using the derb? Uh, on that I use a seven three thirteen fishing NV medium heavy with a seventeen pound Suffolk Floral, and then I had a cleanup craw, which is a new bait that's coming out. I can't say from who, but it'll be at ICAS. Uh, that's <laughs> where it's going to get launched. And on my jackhammer on the shad spawn deal, I caught them all on a freeloader trailer which is another one that I can't say who's making it, but it'll be out at ICAST. And like I have, I've caught a lot of fish on those two baits the last couple of months I've been down there. It's, it's legit stuff. Like Hell yeah. really all I carry in my boat now. Uh, I got a bunch of other shapes too that are coming out. So Heck yeah. I, I have to say, I've never heard of someone drop the bait name and not the brand before. I've heard drop the brand, but not the bait name. I like your style. I like your yeah, style. I gotta do I gotta do the bait name or Dan Quinn might fire me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh no, there's some cool stuff coming down the road. So heck yeah. Awesome. Well but, dude, uh, uh, yeah, that craw on that swinging rugby head was the deal, and that just came from something I tied it on the morning of the tournament. I was I fished a couple derbies on the Mississippi River at Lacrosse, and uh, we had a lot of success with that. You know, fishing hard bottom spots on the main channel, and I'm like, man, why don't I? I need to rig one of those up. Like, I've, it's a confidence thing. And yeah, I caught him on that. That and a drop shot on the ledges, and then everything on a shad spawn was on a jackhammer. So. Heck yeah! Awesome. Yeah, let's hear about day three. So day three. I was just jacked up. I was made the top 10, never made a top 10 before. Like, I'm just going to relax and go fishing and have fun. The worst I can do is 10th. You know, I'm sitting in seventh. So we take off and it was, it was honestly like the coolest thing I've ever experienced being 
one of ten boats and Brandon Polinix right in front of me, like mm-hmm. yeah, Clark Mark Wenlet, like guys you look up to in the sport or you're fishing the same day as they are, you know, it's pretty cool. Uh, so I'm like, I'm not going to stress out. I'm just going to go fishing, have fun. Like I need to have, I need to catch 22 pounds if I want to win the tournament and wasn't super confident in doing that, but I knew if I landed on the right stuff, it could happen. Mm-hmm. So I was running down river and I had a couple of shell bars that I didn't fish during the tournament. There were other boats on them and I wheeled into the first one and the shad were there and they were up in there busting on them. And I went to work right away. I think I got there at 607, mm-hmm. 620. I had a limit like seven ish. I had like 15 pounds, 730. I had almost 19 and then at, I won't ever forget it, at 8.09, I put a five and three quarter in the live well. I fist bumped my Marshall. I said, I just want a Bassmaster open. And it was 8.09. I never upgraded a fish after that. And I was on the turn. Like, two, trust me, two hours later, I was freaking out. I'm like, I need to catch a <laughs> big one. Like, this isn't going to be enough. But uh, yeah, it all went down. In two hours in the morning, I landed on them and caught every one of them. It was fun. That's freaking wild. How does it feel to uh, give Brandon Polinick his, his second second place finish two weeks back to back? Did he give you a hard time for that? Uh, yeah, when he if you guys watched it when he was up on on stage, I heard him in the way way in line, and you know nobody really knows who I am. I'm new to the new to the opens basically, and and he was behind me, and I could hear him. He's like, I got 20 pounds. I weighed them all. And I'm like, calculating everything in my head. And I'm like, <laughs> pretty sure I got him. And uh, so I weigh in. He's right behind me. He weighs in next, puts his on the scale. And he looked around Hank Weldon. He's like, hey, bud, I did not see that one coming. Shook <laughs> <laughs> uh, my hand, and it was, it was pretty cool. Like, I think he thought he he had it, and I just kind of slid in there all silent, like twenty one twelve. Sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, but very cool. It was it was cool. That's awesome, man. Uh, dude, it had to be a really cool experience, especially one doing that. But also, like, it had to be a little bit nerving, though. Dropping the bag, having the excitement. You go and you you're in the hot seat, and you're like, oh crap! Brandon said he had twenty. <laughs> Like, yeah. what if he was just being sly? Like, maybe he's got more. <laughs> right? Yeah. Who wouldn't be nervous if Brandon Polinick's coming across the stage right behind him? Yeah. And then I'm looking at five other guys that are hammers, too. Like, nobody's a slacker in this deal. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess my feet were twitching a lot, and I didn't even notice it. But that's what I heard from buddies that watched the way in. They're like, you look a little nervous. I'm like, well, hell yeah, I was nervous. He was pale. He was just sitting there like, oh, get it over like, with. <laughs> yeah, just rifle him through and get this done. Like, I don't want to sit here and wait anymore. And then, uh, yeah, when Sam George weighed, he dropped him in the basket and just shook my hand and said, nice job. He knew he didn't have enough. I was like, Damn. Holy shit, like I just want an open. Unreal. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Well, how does has it even sunk in yet that you're going to next year's class? 
not really. Like I just haven't, I've been so busy with, I've had tons of people contacting me for podcasts and articles and all that stuff and then trying to guide on top of it and my wife and I got a two-year-old daughter at home and there's just so much going on right now. It really hasn't. It sunk in a little bit on the drive home, but I'll get there. Like after you fall and things slow down a little bit, I'll, I'll have some time to think about it. I'll have some yeah. time to think about it. I love that. Maybe. <laughs> right now, it's like next task on hand. Get through all these guide trips I have booked. Get my boat ready to go to Ufala. Concentrate on that one. You know, my number one goal is still to make the elite. So we can't forget about that one. And uh, yeah, I'm I'll looking say- forward to going across the stage at the Classic, though, I can tell you that. I, I can only imagine you're going to have a lot of road time to kind of daydream what that's going to feel like. But, right. dude, you got a derb that kind of canceled out that one tough finish this year. And I think you're back on track. Yeah, for sure. You follow was really disappointing. and But there's nine tournaments. So I think you can have one, maybe two of those, you know, triple digit finishes and still make it. You know, it's, you never know. Like, I think a lot of things are going to change the night. We got what five left. A lot of things are going to change mm-hmm. at the top end of the angler or uh, nine EQ anglers, whatever you want to call it. The points race. Yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of changes over the next five derbies. And, uh, I'm looking forward to one of them for sure. I was going to say, I get to go, get to go smallmouth fish. I was gonna say I was like usually at the in, at the end of them or like the northerns is at least two smallmouth therapies that you had to be looking forward to, but this year it's kind of like it's like these southern opens basically. Yeah, yeah, we have St. Lawrence, and we go. To, I guess we go to Watts Bar that has smallmouths, but I wouldn't really consider that a smallmouth. Yeah, country. different different strain, pretty much. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I wish we were doing like a true northern swing where we had three of them. For sure. Yeah, that would have been nice. It would be nice, especially for the for the northern boys, because I mean, it's it's almost becoming harder now. I feel like uh, not just the opens, but like talking elites, and um, you can even argue like the BPT for southern guys to win an AOI. If they keep smallmouth fisheries and the Midwest guys keep this whole train rolling, I mean, it's it's hard for northern guys to not win, right? But then again. Uh, there's there's been uh, several southern guys that are becoming really good at smallmouth fishing. I mean, you watch Clark Winlet; that's always in top ten when it comes to the St. Yeah. Lawrence or Lake Ontario. Sure. It's it, it's cool to see the evolution of region and how anglers do and, and the, where they find success. But one thing I wanted to say that I th- I'm sure you thought about that was pretty cool about your win and your story was that uh, your dad drove you down to that event. Yeah, it was uh, it was really nice to have him there. Like, I didn't I didn't have to worry about anything. And you know, I get back at night, he'll go grab me a beer. I can sit in the boat and re-rig rods, concentrate on my fishing stuff, and I don't have to cook dinner. Um, yeah, you were personal assistant. He drove you. He hands you beer. Does he tie your knots too? Like, I mean, you're from Wisconsin, so it's kind of like you were a kid again, even with the beard. It was great. Other than I fired him at one point because 
we had to grab some more beer and he stopped at a gas station that didn't even sell beer. And I'm like, you're fired. Like, you know, <laughs> get in the back seat. <laughs> two hours later, I had to hire him back again. So. But uh, no, it was really cool. Like I actually, day two was his birthday and I completely forgot about it. Oh man. And when I made the top 10, he came up and gave me a hug and he's like, that's the best birthday present I could ever ask for. And I'm like, Happy birthday. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. That's awesome, dude. And at Toledo Bend, you know, I had a good finish there. And my buddy Matt Ryberg from Canada came down and he signed up as a co-angler. And end of the day, he's like, you do your work. I'll, I'll cook. I'll take care of everything else. You just concentrate on your fishing. And, like, it definitely helps because you don't have to, right. you don't have to worry about everything else. When you get in after, you know, most guys fish dark to dark and you only get so many days of practice and you need to take advantage of that. By the time you get in, you're just shot. You don't want to do anything. So having I mean, that, somebody there definitely helps. Yeah. I mean, dude, look at, uh, you know, people talk about that support system, how important that is for some anglers and being consistently successful over time. I mean, look at the brand of politics, the, uh, you know who like i think wheeler does it as well like the the guys that go and travel with their families that yeah you know like for bp like i'm watching uh um his wife back him down the ramp you know before and after events like being on the road with them not having to miss your kid because it's you're gonna get off the water you're gonna see him that day that kind of speaks to being able to focus way more than you would if it was the other way around Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, do yeah. we have we have a funny question here in the comments for you? Uh, and they're asking uh, how much was your how much was your first bar tab after your W? <laughs> Actually, didn't even go to one. I got in the truck and we drove home, and I was so jacked up I didn't even sleep that night. And found out my wife was throwing a party. We call this the warehouse. We have the bar on the other side. And I found out she's throwing a party for the win. And had a bunch of friends and family drive, you know, across the state to come hang out. And uh, I was like, dead ass tired. I'm like, I'm not going (laughs) to. I'm going to have two beers and I'm going to be out. So, uh, we lay my daughter down for a nap every day at noon. So I went and took a nap with my daughter, got a couple hours sleep in, and then we had a party here. So I didn't have a bar tab, but I did have a party tab that I dumped a few hondo on that. (laughs) There you go. You know, out of your pocket. It was a party for you, but you paid for it, Adam. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're the one that won $51,000. You can pay for it. (laughs) I believe that's also just called being a dad. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's okay. I can pay for a party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to go travel around to fish. They can, they can let you pay for a party. Absolutely. So it was, yeah, it was fun. Like thanks to everybody that showed up for that. It was kind of last minute, but um, yeah, got to hang out with a bunch of friends and celebrate a little bit, kick back and relax. It was, it was nice. Heck yeah, dude. Well, congrats again on the win. It's freaking awesome seeing another northerner uh in the classic and uh the opportunity for for more people to make me work on the last day of the classic and make me write a press release and i hope to be writing a press release next year at the classic for you (laughs) i hope so too (laughs) but dude uh 
backtrack a little bit. How'd you do at the Sturgeon Bay Open? Uh, I missed the Open. That okay. was the same time as Wheeler. I fished uh, the Wisco tournament. We have a uh, Chad Adrian's. He passed away from cancer a couple years ago, but there's a memorial tournament for him that Wisco Bass puts on, and I think we had like 84 boats in it or something. Not a bad turnout. Good payout. Uh, so I fished that one with my father-in-law. And day one, we had 20, we weighed 28.6 for five. And like, I honestly, we, we got up to 27 and I'm like, I don't want to fish any of this stuff anymore because like, we're going to be leading with 27 the way practice went. We came in and weighed in. We had 28.6. We ended up we're fourth after day one, and 31 and a half was leading in. And there was like a million 26 bags right behind us. And I'm like, yeah. wow, like Sturgeon Bay showed out again. Like, this place is amazing. Just when you think it's not going to be very good, it shows out. And there's so many big small malls in this place. It's unreal. There's a peculiar peculiar pattern with smallmouth. It seems like when one person catches a giant smallie, it's like they all in the lake. Every one of them in the lake decides to bite on the same exact day. Yeah, like, for sure. Just for whatever reason, like if you know that you have a bag, you better be prepared to see like more big bags coming because they just all bite on the same day. For it's just wild. Yeah. Smallmouth are different animals. I love that. Is a, that is a true thing if you think about it. Like, because day two, we only weighed 22 something on day two. Like, the fishing was significantly worse than the first day. And the wind finally blew. We, had, we didn't have wind for like five days. And normally here, you want to have wind to get them to feed. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's all excited. We're finally going to have some wind out of the northeast, and they're going to be firing. It's going to be even better than day one, and it was the total opposite. Like, I think it freaked them out because we went so many days without wind, and uh, everybody kind of struggled that day. Uh, weights were down from what they were on day one. And I think we ended up sliding back to seven, but whatever. I'll take it. I'll take every top ten I can get here. So. Yeah. But I had a blast. It was fun. Like, Smallmouth fishing is truly like what I love to do the most. Every oh, chance sure. I get to go crack on brown bass, I'm going. Yeah, you're pretty lucky you're a guide because you get to do it all the time. Yeah, every day. Other than, you know, not every day is good. Today, uh, I don't want to admit it, but I had an eight hour trip and we caught three bass all day. Terrible. It happens. It the worst day I've ever seen here in my life. Out there acting weird and doing weird stuff, and hmm. it is what it is. You don't catch them every day. What do you, What do you think is the the reason for it? I have no idea. They've kind of been goofy all year. You know, when I've been home fishing for them, they've just been acting weird. <laughs> they knew you were back in the state. Like Adam's yeah, back. Right. Don't eat. Adam's no. back. You got a blue trophy. We're gonna make it real tough for him. Close your mouth. Don't bite. Yeah, I mean that's what people say, right? I mean, fishing humbles you. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. You go from I just won an open. I'm gonna go out and guide with some of my good customers today, and we caught three bass. Somebody shoot me! Like this is terrible. I'm like, how does this even happen? <laughs> and tomorrow, because they're smallmouth, you could have your best day of guiding. You oh yeah, yeah. Tomorrow we'll probably whack on them. Just how it goes. 
They're getting a little funk here, it seems like, this time of year. Like, after that open is here, like, the next two or three days, they just, I don't know if it's from all the boats that have been sitting over them or what, but they get kind of funky, and then all of a sudden they'll turn back on again. And, mm. and then it's a wild fest. Yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense, though, with that amount of pressure. I mean, Andy, you've seen it on Erie and Ontario and things of that nature. We've seen where it's, you know, it. you think with the amount of fish there and how big the body of water is that that's not possible. But when you right. get a lot of boats for that consistent period of time, it, it makes sense that it could happen. But, I mean, yeah. for you guys, are they are they on bed now? Uh, I saw a couple on beds today. There were actually a lot of empty beds today. Like they pulled hmm. off and it was 80 degrees here today. Like I don't oh, understand yeah. why they would have pulled off. The water finally warmed up. You might have some upwelling going on too. What's Sometimes. that? Upwelling is where the lake will like almost flip and it'll push cold oh, water yeah. to the surface. But the surface temp will be hot, but underneath will be slightly cooler than average. And it makes yeah. Yeah, that I definitely believe in that. Like every year, it seems like everybody's like, "Where are all the bass? They should all be here." The water's fifty-five degrees, and like go down two feet, it's yeah. like forty-two. Like they don't even know that it's yeah. springtime or it's warm out yet. Like, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, like usually when we get a big wind, all that water mixes up, yeah. and then they feel it. Especially if we get one that's blown offshore. And then they get a taste for that warmth. And you go out the next day and the water temp's 42 degrees, but that's what it is from the top to the bottom. Yeah, and the fish are polluted everywhere. Yeah. And then they come in. I mean, they don't know that surface water is, is warm. They don't feel that. Yeah, I think that's a huge common misconception between a lot of bass anglers. They're always like, I can't believe today was so tough. It's a spring, surface temp 61 degrees. And I'm like, yeah, your top foot might be 61 degrees there was ice on the lake three days ago like right yeah two weeks ago like what are you slow down (laughs) like they're not there yet they're still out in 40 foot of water in their winter hole yeah yeah it takes a while before they feel that warm yeah yeah i think that's definitely an experience thing like you have to go through that a few times to understand that hey think about you know two days ago i was whacking them and it was 44 degrees and all magically it's 60s you know, at least yeah. surface temp, like, hey, they're probably not going to be here just yet. Like, I need to give this some time, backtrack yeah. a little bit. But they, I mean, there's, there's definitely times that you see that happen, and it happens in all of our Finger Lakes, uh, at least here in New York, and yeah. it can get you excited and get you excited a little too early. Yeah. And, they, and the fish always get funky, too, when you get that sudden spike in surface temp. They just don't like to eat, in my opinion, but. Then you That's need the a- most frustrating thing ever is when they're all sitting like subsurface, uh, subsurface, like a foot down. You can see all of them. And and you could, you could like there. poke them with your rod tip, and they won't move. <laughs> like, yeah, they're just sitting sucks. there. They're sitting there trying to get warm. Yeah. yeah, like I've been freezing all winter, laying on this big rock with my whole family, and like now the sun's out. I just want to warm up. Just like. Stop. It's like uh, it's like you're at a football game, and there's like the standing heaters, and there's just a crowd of people are <laughs> yeah, that's what the bass are doing yeah. Yeah, it's just not moving they're like warm thank god it's oh, over 
Yeah, the one thing I've learned when you get a hot, like a really warm day, like a week or two after ice, is you need it to blow with it in order for those fish to bite. Like if it's just sunny and slick, calm, just stay home. Just yeah. that early. It's just, or just spend time and just drive around the lake and look for stuff for later because you're not going to be very productive in catching usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope, I agree with you 100% there. I've seen it happen every year here. We got uh, we got a question here from Mr. Higgs, and he's asking, uh, what are your go-to three baits for summer smallmouth and grass lakes? Never fished a smallmouth in a grass lake. Not, nothing like Minnesota, those big bowls or anything like that? You don't have those in Wisco? Mm-mm. Not everything we have here is traditional rock, rock sand stuff. Um, I guess, like, growing up, up by Minocqua and stuff, I fished a few tournaments up there. We catch them in some grass there, but that's like, uh, I guess my favorite was like a wacky rig fry worm. I caught a lot on that. Um, and I bet you could catch them on a jackhammer or cranking like a DT really fast up above them. Okay. And burning it. Yeah. That's the three things I would do. Like fun. Or drop shot too, like if it's sand grass. Yeah, but yeah I've, I've honestly never like fished smallmouths and grass that much. It's not something I've ever ran into. Right, and it's probably looking for grass lines too. Like if it's if it's a big bowl and God's has a deep grass line, probably lucky to find them there. Yeah, like any grass fishing, try to find something different and edge. Where two types of grasses meet, like look for all those transition lines, and that's where they're going to be, and then. Yeah. You know, small moths are aggressive animals. Like they burn something past their face and trigger them <laughs> to bite. Like they're, for the most part, they're way they're they're way less prissy than large moths. Large moths suck. Like they just you get you get an attitude. Like they don't go anywhere. They don't move, but they get an attitude some days, and they just don't want to bite. Mm-hmm. And small moths generally move a lot. They're following the forage and staying with it. Um, so you got to move a lot to find them, and they're generally easy to catch. Um, mm-hmm. They're more aggressive. That makes right. sense. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. I think one of my favorite grass lake smallmouth techniques is top water. Like, if you can just find shad, cover a ton of water. So, if you find a grass flap that has a hard edge, easy access to deep water, maybe some rock on it. And you got some shad up there in a top water first thing in the morning, you're almost guaranteed to catch a big smallmouth doing that. And the bite will be extremely explosive, especially if it's like 75 degree surface temps. It's, it's probably the most heartbreaking, but fun way to do it. In my opinion. For sure. We got a lot of lakes like that, that are just big bowls, grass, no, structure or anything on bottom besides grass lines and they just yeah, roam and chase which sounds exactly like you guys like after the spawn they're just cisco chasers out there right uh smelt smelt okay yeah a lot of smelt the smelt populate like a lot of people say that this fishery is going downhill and you know there's not as many bass and what you know whatever okay fine like I think it's still just as healthy, if not healthier, than it's ever been. But 
they have changed their ways. There's more smelt in here than I've ever seen. And so they're creeping up more. They'll go wherever they want. Yeah. I mean, and how are you going to target them here? I mean, you can't. There's nothing to narrow it down. Like, they can go out to 100 feet of water and chase smelt their whole life. And they come in to spawn, and all of a sudden there's bass everywhere. And they come in and spawn, and then they leave again. And then it's like, well, there's no bass in this lake. But I, I think that it's all forage related. Like, they're all chasing smelt, and you just don't see as many on structure as you used to. Do you think something like that could potentially help prepare you for like any of the herring lakes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, roaming around chasing bait chasers. That's <laughs> pretty on point. I had more time to like go out and try some stuff. You know, it's hard to go out and do that when you're guiding, like just go on yeah. a whim and go try something crazy. But, uh, uh, this yeah. summer I'll get a little free time to, to go experiment with a few things. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Andy, you got anything left for, for Adam here before we hit him with the last questions? Well, no, I, I just thought it was interesting that you brought up the smell point because I've noticed on my side of Lake Erie, it's there's a lot more bait fish than there's been in the last like four or five years. In the in the last two specifically, and I've been finding that the only way I can get a lot of fish to eat is to make them come up and eat as opposed to leaving a parallel in their face where a lot of people do. And, wow. and I think that might also be something that you could mess around with where you're at. Is if you know there's bait fish in the area in like a 30 to 50 foot range, because I'm sure that's where a lot of your smallmouth live in the summer, try making them come up. You've probably done it, but like go to like a three foot leader with a minnow bait and see if they'll come up and, come out of the rock and eat like yeah, i've already out. tried a few things. i figured i that know way. it works and yeah we'll just keep that on the down low for now <laughs> <laughs> we'll watch gussie win the classic that's what it's all about yeah yeah that's right let him take all the hype yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure like i did have one day last summer there were a bunch sitting on boulders in like 28 to 32 feet of water and you would throw a tube at them, catch a couple, throw a drop shot, get a couple, and hang a minnow on a smeltinator above their head, and they come roaring up and eat it. So. <laughs> Just go crazy. Well, and I think well, he's done too. What they're doing. Yeah, and and I think it's you know a lot of what Gussie's done too, but one made it popular, but two exposed that that's not just a cold water bait. Like you can yeah. use that all times of the year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when they're, uh, when they're feeding on bait and not like gobies and crawfish stuff, like when they're feeding on, I'd call it white bait, like shad, um, tearing Cisco smelt, any of that stuff like that is definitely something that plays, especially with like forward facing sonar. It makes mm -hmm. it, we used to have to just drop it on top of them. Like now you can pitch it to them and it makes you way more efficient. Mm -hmm. You know, I just sit and stare at my hummingbird live. I'll make like 40 to 50 foot pitches and just swim it back. It's, it's freaking uh, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a thing. I've done a little bit of it down south too. And I think it's Thank something you. that will play out sometime down there. I mean, we're seeing it start to happen in places we never would would have thought to happen, where it's the Tennessee River 
Jay Shakur on Lay Lake, like for yeah. seeing it happen. And, you know, Gus, he's told us he's tried it in places we never, ever, ever would have thought of him trying that thing. And uh, he said, just, you know, be on, be on the lookout for it. I mean, he kind of called it saying that that's going to be the hot bait this year from a, from yeah. a forward-facing standpoint. And I think so far he's correct. But um, it's pretty cool to see more and more people getting with that that trend, which is yeah. it's super cool. I, I love that bite. I could throw that all dang day. But, yeah. Yeah, you're casting out a fish instead of just – even if you make 20 casts in a day and you hook up on 18 of them, like, why would you go do anything else? Yeah. Yeah, you have to hold your rod just there. Just sit there. Yeah. <laughs> so much you're better. You're wasting your time doing other stuff. Like, you're way more efficient if you can go and cast to a fish. Mm-hmm. I know, like, everybody's watching people stare at the graphs of boring, and but that's – technology and wait the game's going to change even more like i can only imagine five years from now like what are we going to like stare down at the floor of our boat and like be able to see the fish like electronically around our boat i don't know like you know stuff like that's coming like (laughs) game's changing constantly and you got to keep up with it we're going to have hummingbird glasses where it's just going to be infrared you're going to see a red blob and it's going to be like it's 20 foot down, and you're going to be able to picture that with your glasses. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. and, and will it chirp you whenever you make a bad cast? <laughs> yeah, you'll say that very funny. Yeah. <laughs> Something's got to stay the same. Oh man. oh, man. That's awesome. Well, dude, for real, thank you so much for taking time out. I know your schedule is busy as all get out. So we appreciate you taking time to come talk with us. But, uh, Man, we got one more question left for you just to cap off the show. It's a, it's a fun one. We like to ask everybody that's new to the show. And honestly, Andy, I don't think we've been able to ask this for no, a while. Not quite, a t- quite some time. Yeah. And uh, that question is, Adam, uh, if you were to sit down, have a steak and a beer with three different individuals uh, that don't have to be in the fishing industry, they could be alive a thousand years ago or now, it doesn't matter. What three individuals would you like to invite, have a steak, and a beer chat with? Oh, man. <clears throat> well, I don't really talk to anybody that doesn't fish, so it's going to be three <laughs> people that fish. I'm in. <laughs> I want to sit down and drink some bush lights when we live to see one day. Hell yeah. And uh, I'd go sit on drink a beer with uh, J.H. Kirk because he's a good friend of mine, and uh, we don't get to do that anymore because we're both busy at different times and I don't know I'm going to go have a beer with Dave Mercer at the Boston hell yeah that's awesome how's that for three yeah I love that three that's that's a rowdy three it sounds like I mean I'd sit down and drink a beer with just about anybody so <laughs> I mean you go. they're buying <laughs> that's awesome so yeah Dude, Appreciate you again taking time out. It's been good talking with you, and uh, obviously we'll we'll keep cheering you on throughout the opens. And man, we'll be in touch. Awesome! Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Take care. Good luck. Have a good evening. Peace. That was good, dude. If I had a dollar for how many guys that we've had, one uh, in the Midwest. I mean, we've had a lot on the show from the Midwest, but a dollar for how many of them have talked about how uh, talked highly of adam it's 
I mean, there's there's people that are calling shots right now that you know there's there's guys come from the Midwest that we're gonna see at the top of the game. Adam's one of them here. Noah Schultz is another one. I'm always hearing about. There's a lot of guys that haven't either one haven't made the jump or just now making the jump that I think are making some hay, and it's it's pretty cool to see that happen. Um, and it's cool to see some more guys from the Northeast start getting out there from our neck of the woods. Um, but dude, I got to give a little, little shout out. So while I was checking, uh, and the update on the open standings, uh, our boy, Mr. Keith Tuma sitting hot in seventh right now. Ooh, nice. Right. Shout out to our boy, Mr. Keith Tuma, uh, for, for you guys know, he's, uh, he's actual, the actual host of serious angler. We're not, we're just the stand-ins for him. Uh, he comes in every, every couple times throughout the year <laughs> just to check in on us make sure check we're doing our job right <laughs> he's the boss he's head honcho uh but no seriously uh shout out to him it's cool to see uh a few guys that are really grinding making that thing happen Absolutely. um man i think it's finally john garrett's year too he's sitting in first right now i don't want to jinx him so not fingers crossed for that guy uh he he freaking deserves it holy crap but great show with adam dude i mean freaking hammer not just, I mean, I think it's a statement for him and himself too, that, you know, winning on Wheeler, but the guy is a freaking smallmouth guru. I think this is just uh, going to keep patting that confidence for wherever he goes. And I have a mad respect for the guys that go down. You know, there, there's a thing between general info and there's a thing between some of the info that's going on now that's being passed around. Like a guy that just goes, hey, what kind of stage are they in? Like, are they past the spawn, that type of deal? Like, how does the lake operate, you know, forage, small things like, you know, st- small strategy stuff. That is is what it is. I think everybody gets that. It's the, uh, you know, the heavy information guys that are avoiding that and going on pure instinct, how to fish. I, I respect the hell out of that. Mm, me too. It takes a lot to have no preconceived notions about a lake and just show up and then be able to pull off a blue trophy that's pretty impressive well and i think that's the way you learn you, if yeah. you show up to a body of water and you're in the dms or you're talking with whether it be guides or buddies down there and they're telling you what to go do and you're going to mimic what they told you to do at the end of the day whether you catch them or not what have you learned you might have learned a thing or two based on what they told you but you it, what you could learn doing that yourself and learning the curve yourself on that body of water uh, is completely different. The amount of information you learn from doing it yourself. Yep. It's, it's more frustrating and it takes longer, but it's well damn worth it at the end. Yeah. Because then the spots you're fishing are yours and you're not fishing someone else's history. Mm-hmm. So, because I mean, dude, I don't know about you and I, I, I would say you're, you'd be in the same boat as in this mindset. Uh, but like if I were to go and fish an event, and I, all I get is information. Like I say, somebody sends me some waypoints, uh, whether I practice or not, they send me a waypoint and I go win off that waypoint. I feel like I didn't earn that. Yeah. I feel, I honestly, it wouldn't feel right. It would not sit well with me. I don't know if that's, if people differ from that. I mean, feel free folks, like especially if you're on YouTube or if you're listening, feel free to DM us if you have any strong opinions for or against this, but I don't know. I, I feel like it's just, that's just kind of how I operate. Feel like you didn't put any effort in, you know what I mean? Legal yeah. or not. Yeah, so like it's it's an interesting spot. Like whenever I ask somebody for information, I'm not gonna say I don't ask for information. I'll say there's a difference between fun fishing and tournament fishing. 
Yes. But like, even in a tournament, like I'm not really asking for spots. I just want to know what to look for. Like, is it a grass? Like, are they in a certain type of grass? Are they shallow? Are they deep? Like, I just want clues. And then I want to go out and put my own pattern together. And what I find a lot of times when I ask for information, I end up fishing what I want to fish anyways. And it's something completely different. So, and that's mm-hmm. where it comes down to is like, I think more important pieces of information would be like, are they eating shad? Are they on a bluegill spawn? Like, is it a crayfish eatery? Like, and I think that's more important information than where the fish live mm-hmm. because there's so many bass in these lakes that we don't even know exist and that we now are finding because of forward facing sonar inside scan and putting the time in and learning these lakes and how deep fish actually mm-hmm. go or how shallow they might live and stuff that we never even seen. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's a double edged sword, right? Cause I think, I think there's definitely something to like, say guys that are traveling with each other that are all fishing the opens and, and giving each other tidbits to like help them be like just that one small variable that they need to catch more fish, maybe where they're at in their spot. That, that stuff I can get with. Uh, I can't do it personally because it makes me fish worse. I, I don't like to talk to people during events. I don't like info. I, I, I feel like I fish worse with that. But there's there's a there's an info side of like your your inner circle that actually I think can benefit you. Like you and I share it, all of our info for the most part. Yeah. Like Because I think you and I riffraff off of it where like what you just said, I'll tell you on a lake that I was just at, how I was catching them, that sort of thing. You'll go there and you'll put your own spin on it. And that's, I think that's something that's beneficial because you and I learned from that. Like we, like we call each other all the time learning of like, Hey, I le- I figured out this tidbit today yeah. and then you'll go try it and be like, yeah, but I figured out something better. Like, I think that's, that, that is good. It's, it's the, I wanted to, to specify like when I'm saying this no info thing, I'm more than like the guys that are literally the, somebody that hasn't talked to you in two years, but they'll slide in your DMS be like, Hey, where are you catching them on? Where are we catching them on this lake? You know, that sort of thing. I, I don't like that. Or guys that go through guides. Yeah. Nothing against you, you guide folk, like bringing you yeah. business. But like <laughs> as a tournament angler, uh, whether it's legal or not, dude, it just feels so shady yeah. to me going through a guide. Yeah, that part's interesting. Unless like the guide is one of your good friends and you talk to them all the time and it's not illegal, then sure. All by you all means. It feels but... like. The guys that go through guides before an event or before a cutoff, you know what it feels like? It feels like when you go in to take a test, you go into a room and you see the test with all the answers filled in. You scan the test. You see all the answers that are filled in. And then you go and take the test. That's what that feels like to me. Yeah. I might be way off on there. People feel free to rebuttal. Anything we say in the show, feel free to argue it. We'll gladly have a mature uh, debate with beers in hand. Over anything we talk about on this show. So, I mean, like hiring a guide, like let's say off limits is 45 days before an event. That lake is going to change so much in 45 days. Like that guide showed you probably is not the pattern that is working in 45 days, unless you're on like a very specific body of water. But, um, yeah, it's just then you have guys that go out and pre practice, right? And they're like, I really whacked him here 45 days ago before cutoff. And I don't understand why they, well, I couldn't catch him during the tournament and they're fishing all the same stuff they practiced on 45 days prior. And they don't want to look for anything because they have all these pre preconceived notions. Like 
practice is practice. You're going to look. You're not going to catch until you actually have to catch. Mm -hmm. So, and as bass fishermen, I think there's a big difference between knowing where we can catch bass and how big those bass are possibly going to be from catching them in practice and then striking out during the derby. Like there's a huge difference between that. And there's, there's practice heroes and then there's derby winners and it's usually not the same person. No, usually the derby winners always have a god awful practice. <laughs> usually, derby's winner, the derby winners are like, Yeah, I had two bites all practice and I only made 35 casts, but I'm not going to tell you that. But I only had two bites and there were two pounders. So that's probably not where I'm fishing. But yeah. yeah. And usually, that, I feel like those guys literally made a cast at something they're not going to fish during the tournament just because it looked to test it and they wanted to see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. That's very true. Yeah. So. See the guys that you hear have horrible practice. They're on Instagram saying, "Ah, oh, horrible practice." No, no, I'm going to do it. Twenty-one pounds, nineteen, nineteen, nineteen. It's like, yeah. oh my god. Yeah, and then there's the guys that are off the water by like ten o'clock. They're like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, he's on them. <laughs> yeah. So when they go try something, they pluck one good one. Okay, bye. See you. Day day three of practice, and they're at the golf course by noon. You're like. Oh, he's about to wreck up. <laughs> yeah, if they're at the bar before dinner, like there's <laughs> a fat chance they're gonna do pretty good. Yeah, it's it, fishing is a funny, funny sport. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. It, there's a lot of heartache and like today, my guy, like with Sean out there, right? Like we're out there and we caught him on the spot where we caught him yesterday for about thirty mm-hmm. minutes, and then we had to go explore and try a bunch of different stuff. So basically, I ran all new water today with Sean that I haven't fished yet this year. And we were able to pluck fish. Hmm. So it's just being open-minded and understanding conditions. The biggest thing that changed was the wind direction. So it hmm. made the bait fish move and we just had to find the bait fish and then we caught them. So heard that. Yeah. Heck yeah, dude. That's all. Well, uh, great show tonight. Awesome time. Uh, with Mr. Adam Rasmussen. Uh, encourage you guys to go follow along. If you're traveling to the Midwest, if you're from the Midwest, go look up. Uh, he's got his guide, uh, guide, or he's got the link to his guide business on there. Go uh, book a trip. Great dude. Obviously a hammer. Um, but uh, Andy, great show tonight. Coming up on Friday's episode, we have Mr. Will Davis Jr., who won on Lay Lake, Sweet. coming on the show. And we have a, a really cool show coming next tuesday we're gonna we're gonna really preview this one uh way ahead we got it scheduled we already got it booked it's gonna be awesome we got mr polish pete from omnia fishing coming on with the technological angler uh, we're gonna have a techie show talking about uh different electronics as well we're gonna have some stuff to give away to you guys so next uh Great. week from today to tuesday night live for next week we're gonna have a pretty cool show set up for you guys but uh will davis is coming friday uh it's gonna be a lot of fun uh, Andy, you got anything else for the folks? Any dates coming up? If people want to go catch some spam? July, August, September, October will be the next <laughs> yes, chance. I have a few months <laughs> for you to catch those smallmouth dates in October are pretty limited. And as our July and August, I'm going to take a little bit of break and leave the summer smallmouth kind of alone. I'll mess around with them if guys want to go out, but September would be the month that you would want to. Uh, book a trip it's going to be good weather usually in september and you can catch some really big smallmouth they tend to be kind of finicky but when we're on the water every day we 
almost always have um, an inkling of an idea of what's going on. So we can usually find them. Heck yeah. Uh, we have a really fast, we have a comment on YouTube from Mr. Higgs asking, do you guys have a Omnia code? Yes, yes sir. So we have two, two different ones. Uh, and so for folks, whether you're listening or watching on YouTube right now, uh, if you're looking to get fishing tackle, gear, etc., terminal tackle, the whole nine yards, Omnia has a massive selection. Uh, if it's your first ever order with us, you have a one-time use code called Serious First, all caps, Serious First, uh, gets you fifteen percent off. It's a one-time use, and then you can do Serious Ten for ten percent off, and you can use that unlimited times after that first order. So we have all that down in the show notes for you guys. It's in every show. All of our discount codes to all of our partners uh, are always down there for you guys to take advantage of, save money on our, uh, some amazing products. Um, so be sure to go use that, especially with the, uh, you know, the, the, the seasons changing tackle is ever changing and we'll be changing some things up as the fish change. So great time to get over, put an order in, but again, those uh, discount codes are down below. Feel free to take advantage of them. But uh, Andy, Great show tonight. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.